Okay, before I get to my next guest, Owen Brown, I want to remind you about a few more of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Square's golf shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, that's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com, and get Square's 30-day money-back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. Okay, now back in making his 10th appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is Owen Brown. Let me remind you about Owen's background. He's from Washington, D.C., played his college golf at Occidental College out in L.A., he joined the golf team as a sophomore and gradually moved his way up to being their number one player. He was named a first-team All-Conference, All-SCIAC, in 1980 and 1982. He was inducted into their Golf Hall of Fame in 1997, and their Golf Annual MVP Award is now named in his honor. He turned pro in 1984. He won four times out on the Corn Ferry Tour, twice in 1991, once in 93, and once in 96. He won three times out on the regular tour. In 2005, he won the PGA Tour Comeback Player of the Year Award. And over the course of his playing career, he's had five wins, 48 top 10 finishes, and 110 top 25s. Included in those five wins are two so far out on the Champions Tour, including the 2011 U.S. Senior Open and the 2015 Greater Gwinnett Championship here in Atlanta. And I'm honored to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, oh, how are you, my friend? Chris, what's happening? How are you, bud? I'm fantastic. How are you? How are things going out there? I'm doing great. Yeah, Things are going okay. I was just uh, kind of eavesdropping on what you and Tim were talking about earlier. There's a lot of wisdom there in what Tim had to say. Um, I, I, you know, we're in a different time zone, a different era with modern golf. But, you know, what he was talking about is relationship with guys like Sam Snead and stuff like that. That gets lost when generations uh, skip one another. And uh, there, there's an awful lot of cool stuff there. Um, golf is such a great word-of-mouth game. And I love hearing stories like that. So good for you for putting them on the show and talking about that. Well, let's, let's take that a step further. As he got to spend time with Sam Snead and J.C. Snead, some of the legends out on tour, did, did you get an opportunity to have a mentor like that, were there guys that, uh, you know, a previous generation or whatnot that were around that gave you some pointers and kind of took you under their wing? Well, I can promise you there's nobody who's ever played golf at any, any level, uh, like the PGA Tour who hasn't had somebody from an earlier generation influence him or her, uh, and what, what we have done. And, uh, you know, I've had some, some great mentors. I've had the chance to sit down and talk to 
some incredible people. Uh, Tony Penna, who's a name that doesn't get a lot of credit for being the kind of instructor that he was, but he was a gifted, talented player who really made his bones as the preeminent clubmaker of his time. And, you know, the nuggets that you get to glean from a, from a person like that and the stories that he would tell about, you know, the Tamashaner and, and, uh, and other events that he played over the course of his career. And like I said, you know, th- those have legs and, and there's, there's real, there's real guts in the, in the experiences of other players. And I think that any young player who, who can kind of connect with an older player and glean information from him is going to be better off for it. And oh, the last time that uh, we had the privilege of spending some time with you was back in, in early April. And here we are. We This has been an elongated Champions Tour season, elongated PGA Tour season. We have a, a whole wraparound season going on. Talk about the the longevity of this season. And has it been a bit more of a grind than it has been in the past? No, I mean, I, you know, it's dates. So it's no different, really. Um, you're just you're just cobbling together, you know, two limited seasons. So I, I don't look at it that way. I look at every tournament as an opportunity to do better than I did the last week. And you know, some days you get out there and you actually do that, and other other weeks you get out there and you and you uh, you know you've experienced the struggle that other itinerant golfers go through. So no, I I, I don't see that. Um, it just you know the number the numbers tend to. You know, it's not quite double because it's not, we have like 28, 27 week seasons out here. So we have a 43 or 44 week double year. So, you know, we lost, we lost a bunch of tournaments, but it basically ends up being, you know, the season that we all compete within and, uh, it is what it is. I know when I was talking to Tim in the last segment, one of the things we talked about was driving accuracy over distance. And uh, I noticed, like, in the last tournament, you just finished up with the Furyks and Friends this past weekend. In the second and third round, you hit 8% and 93% of your fairways. I know you may not be the longest guy off the tee anymore, but is that a focus now? But, boy, if I can get the ball in the short grass a bunch of times, that now becomes my advantage. While guys are maybe bombing it but hitting it over in the rough, I'm going to have a better shot and a better angle. So that's my opportunity to win golf tournaments now. Well, I mean, that's always been my focus. I've never been able to overpower a golf course. And the problem, the problem with that is, is that, you know, the game has evolved. And so while Tim was talking about launch monitors and, you know, angles of attack and this and that, and the other thing, the bottom line is that, that, you know, equipment has enabled, uh, the stronger players to excel. And, you have to find a way to fit what you do best within the context of what, you know, has an application in tournament play. And, um, it gets harder and harder for, you know, there used to be the expression forces for courses. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't apply any longer. It's, you know, how far can you hit it? How close can you get it to the green? And how many, how many birdie opportunities can you give yourself? So, you know, the, the game, the philosophy of the game of golf has, has changed it's evolved and it's become a different kind of a game and this is why you see you know the success of a guy like Bryson DeChambeau you know Phil Nicholson too you know these guys figured out that the closer that they can get it to where they will you know 
where they want to be with their tee shot. Or, you know, the shorter shot they have into the green, the bigger advantage they have in playing a golf course. And so, you know, while some people decry the fact that shot making has become a lost art, well, shot making has just become different. You know, now you're now you're trying to figure out how to control a ball out of the first cut of the rough or out of the trees and get it close to the hole so that you can give yourself maximum birdie opportunity. Uh, you know, I think that the governing bodies are trying to look at this and trying to figure out a way to, you know, to put things on a more even keel. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but the bottom line is that uh, guys have gotten strong and and the equipment allows them to swing uh, freely at the ball and they're taking advantage of it and you're seeing the results. I mean, Sung J.M. last week, I think he shot 61 the first round and shot 62 in the final round and won by five shots. So that tells you, I mean, I, I can't ever recall, uh, certainly in the time that I played on tour, that a guy shot a 61 and a 62 in the same tournament. Uh on tour, so things are definitely changing. And oh, we we continue to see a guy like Bernard Longer near the top of the leaderboard week in and week out on the Champions Tour. A guy finished seventh last week, and he's a couple of years older than you. And when you guys go out to dinner at night, you guys you're looking over to see where Bernard's going, and then what he's ordering. Say, you know what? I'll what he's having. You know, I think people have been trying to poison his food for a long time. Nobody's seen it thus far. <laughs> You know, I mean, the guy's unbelievable. He's a menace. Uh, the, the guy is, the guy's a freak show on wheels. Um, he's got, you know, a lot like Tiger Woods had Jack in his sights. Bernhardt's got Hale Irwin in his sights. And he wants to be the guy that goes down in history as the most prolific winner on the PGA Tour champions. And, you know, he shows up every single week, uh, and prepares like it's his first event ever. And he shows up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And you know what? More often times than not, he's in the mix. And I saw the Champions Tour did a kind of a funny video with Bernard and, and Tom Lehman trying to plant, uh, prank the other players. They dressed Bernard up like a maintenance guy and had him do a whole bunch of things, spray water on Darren Clark and make noise during Padraig Harrington and Phil Mickelson's swing. Is, is that a side of him that we don't see? Is he a prankster? For sure. Uh, Bernhard has a sneaky sense of humor. He's a, he's a really good guy. He's engaging. He's funny. Um, he's super polite and, uh, he's a gentleman, you know, and he's everything that, he's everything that, uh, that everybody should aspire to as a golf professional. Um, he's thorough. He's professional. He's, uh, um, welcoming. If you have an issue, you can approach Bernhardt at lunch and sit down and say, Bernhardt, I wanted to ask you a question or two. And he would, he would drop what he's doing and spend his time. And you find a lot of those kind of guys out here, you know, guys that you wouldn't expect, um, who are eminently approachable and, and are willing to pass along the lessons that they learn along their route. And I think that's one of the things that makes our game such a great game. I know Phil Mickelson obviously won this past weekend his third victory in four Champions Tour events, and we all know Phil likes to have fun. He's a big trash talker and and uh, always very funny. And on all the years that uh, you are on the regular tour with him and now on the Champions Tour, what's your favorite Phil Mickelson story? Oh, well, you know what? It's 
He's got, there are a million of them. But the truth is that, you know, you can engage Phil on, on any level, right? You, you start a conversation about, about the debt ceiling or about, uh, you know, the national park system or whatever it is. And, you know, he's already studied it. He's got his point of view on it. And you, you can start a conversation and get into a disagreement on that particular topic. You'll find that halfway through, the tide has turned, and he's arguing your perspective, and you're, and you're having to defend his. And so, and he's a he's a, an incredible debater. He's a smart guy. He does his homework. He's got his opinions about things. He's a lot of fun to talk to talk to about stuff. And you know, he's just another guy that you, you know he he's the ultimate entertainer. You know, and uh, and people see that he's not shy about it, and he uh, he's great for golf. Oh, I was talking to uh, Scott McCarron a few weeks ago here on the show before the Ryder Cup, and I and I asked him why the Champions Tour didn't have a Ryder Cup-like event. I think we'd all love to see you guys out there rekindling those rivalries. And he said, you know what, I think there's something in the works. And now we hear about the World Champions Cup, which is going to come next year in November 2022. Talk about what you know about that event, and does that team – you know, that team event for 2022, maybe add another goal for you for next year? Um, for years and years, golf didn't have the Olympics. And for years and years, golf didn't have the President's Cup. It was just the Ryder Cup. And for years before it became the United States against the European continent, it was just the United States against, against Great Britain and Ireland. And so as golf has grown, so have the international competitions. And the thing about golf is it's an individual competition. Weekly, we are out there competing against one another for the championship, for the prize money, for, you know, basically our entire careers. And and as golf has evolved, so have the idea of international competition and team competition. And I, I just think it's great because it gives the players an opportunity to do something that we really haven't had a chance to do since college. You know, being part of a part of a team uh, in golf and an individual sport is certainly a unique opportunity for a lot of players. I, I I was involved in a team competition as an assistant captain on Paul Azinger's 2008 team, and I can just tell you that there's nothing like it that I've ever experienced. Nothing else like it that I've ever experienced in golf. And so, for guys at our level, who most of them who will compete. We're part of a Riders, a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup. Certainly almost no player, uh, on the PGA Tour champions will have had the opportunity to compete in the Olympics. As time goes by, that'll change, but, you know, it gives players an opportunity to get together with other players and experience something that they haven't had the chance to otherwise. And I think it's just great. Oh, just a couple of more before I let you go. And. One of my favorite follows on Twitter is at Super70Sports. And you retweeted one of their tweets, which was, When I was a kid, adults didn't give two blanks about safety. No helmets, no seatbelts, ubiquitous secondhand smoke, playgrounds built for Navy SEAL training. But if you tried to use a pair of scissors, then suddenly they feared for your life. What was life like growing up for you? Because that's pretty uh, indicative of what life was like for most of us growing up in the 60s and 70s? Dude, the front door was for to hit your ass on the way out and to lock on the way in. And the rest of the day was outside. And if you didn't come back with skinned elbows and knees and, you know, pine cones in your 
put it down your shirt and everything else. I mean, we were outdoors playing ball, cruising through the woods, wading in the streams and rivers where I grew up and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, it's just a, just a part of life. And, you know, there were, there were three square meals in the house daily. And the rest of the time, you're asked outside and that was the way it was. And, you know, we live in a different world now. Times have changed for sure. But, um, yeah, you know, it's like my dad looked at me and he said, I made you. I'll make another one just like you. Don't mess up. Right. And so that's just the way life was. Um, and, and, and things are a little bit more careful in this day and age. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I really, I really like that, uh, that Twitter site because it has a lot of funny stuff on it. Before I let you go, update us on how, how's your son doing? How's Owen Brown Jr.? Uh, he's right in the middle of school, getting ready for the second stage of Corn Ferry, going out to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, uh, you know, he's been playing some good golf, playing, you know, again, he's one of those guys who's gotten stuck, locked out the last couple, last couple of years because there hadn't been a qualifying school. The European, uh, tour is, is going for three consecutive seasons without a qualifying. Uh, or two consecutive seasons. So it'll be three consecutive years without a qualifying school. So, um, it's been very difficult for the guys who are trying to make it. And, uh, he's excited about the opportunity and he's going to go out there and get ready for second stage starting the week after this and, uh, try and get to finals and get his, get his butt on the corn ferry tour. And, you know, there are a lot of opportunities opening up to young players. In golf, you know, the tour, the purses are growing, the tournaments are growing, quarterly the same, and so there's a lot to be uh, a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be working towards. Only before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with the great things you're doing and follow you online and on social oh, media. Follow what's going on, the PGA Tour champions, and uh, I got a Twitter account, Owen Brown, and. Uh, you know, I'm not lighting the world on fire, but I'm having a good time doing it, doing the slow burn at the age of 62. But, God, I love what I do, and I hope I can do it for a while longer. Hope you'll, yeah. hope you'll ask me to come on your show again another time, too, because that's the real <laughs> benchmark. You know, if Christmas Carl's asking you, Christmas Carl's asking you to come on his show, you're still doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. It's been 10 times. We had to get you in double digits, and now now we'll go for another milestone to make it up to 20. But you're outstanding, my friend. I can't thank you enough for being generous with your time and coming back and being part of the show. You're absolutely one of my favorites. Well, sure, man. It's great talking to you always. And it's great to hear some of the things Tim was saying. I share some of his sentiments. You know, I mean, we all, it's, a, it's a great game. And I, I encourage everybody who loves sport, loves competition, and loves, you know, the act of trying to get better at something to to embrace the game of golf because it's it's never solved. It's always a challenge. It's hard work, but boy, it's, the rewards are just tremendous. You know, the, the self esteem that you build from trying to figure out how to do something that's so complicated and so difficult, uh, and coming out the other side of it. You know, we get we get so few opportunities to to uh, really relish the accomplishment of what we do because the rest of the time it's part of the you know it's part of the struggle to figure it out. But man, what a great game! Great game. Couldn't agree more. You're the best, my friend. Stay safe out there. All the best in your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. You too, bud. Great visiting with you. Take care. See you. That's a great Owen Brown, folks. What a wonderful human being and what a great player. He continues to be force out there on the Champions Tour and looking forward to catching up with him again next season. Uh, and hopefully his son gets an opportunity because he's a, 
a wonderful young player as well. But Owen Brown is just one of the most solid human beings you'll ever meet and uh, someone I'm very privileged to uh, to call a friend. 